today we're going to be looking at the nature of sin. We let, last time we looked at the nature of God, and we decided that God's nature was who he was, that he was a great I am that I am, and he cannot never change his nature. And I'm glad of that because God's always the same today, tomorrow, and forevermore. So now having looked into the nature of God, we said, and we determined that God is uh, unable to change, we, we said that, and his nature of who he is is forevermore. We now want to attempt to explain the nature of the sin. What is it and where is it from? Now people live for short lives and, and never give a second thought to God or sin. Some people do, some people don't. Everybody's a little different. And there are so many things about sin that we don't know and a few things we do know. But we know that sin originated from the devil, from Satan, and his name was Lucifer. But we know better known today as Satan, and we just call him the devil. And he is the devil. We discussed a lot of this information in the last chapter, and it was hard, and is hard, to talk about God without bringing up the word called sin. I will, though, attempt to write or tell you strictly about the death that sin will bring if one does not change their direction. God brought forth in John chapter 3, verse 16, as everybody probably knows, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever might believe in him would uh, have eternal life. Okay, and for those that didn't believe in him, that uh, they were condemned and would spend eternity uh, in the other place where the devil's going to be. Now, when sin was introduced by Satan, it was not necessarily a spirit death at the time. And what I mean is, Satan was a spirit. Satan maintained his intelligence and his angelic properties. Uh, he, however, did not keep his heavenly position. Uh, God fired him. He was cast down, as we've seen in Isaiah chapter 14. He did not suffer a spiritual death yet, nor did he suffer death in any way. Or did he? I think he suffered what I am going to call a futuristic death. He suffered that he was separated from the other angelic choirs in heaven that rejoiced with God every day. And this was referred to, as we know, the fall of Satan or the fall of Lucifer, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, we know he didn't suffer death at this time but he is going to suffer death but his we need to understand that satan's death and judgment is different than what we uh, look at as for his death now if we look at our death we look at our physical uh, deceasing our body goes back into the earth but then the bible teaches us that our spirits and our souls will go back to god because he's the one that gave it and this spirit or soul will uh, be judged by God, and then it will be placed in its proper abode for eternity. You can either be with God or without God. Now, God realized that man was never going to be able to fix his own problem. Man can't fix his problem. Man can't even fix the problems he's got on earth today, let alone fix a, a spiritual problem between him and God. But God knew that. 
God knew that man was never going to be able to be good enough to come back into God's presence after Satan got through uh, beating up on Adam and Eve. So now we look at this and we say, okay, God, what's, what are we going to do about this? So God comes along and says, I'm going to send a redeemer. The redeemer was Jesus Christ, which was God himself. And he became flesh and gave himself on the cross. And he beat Satan up and took all the keys away from Satan's little palace he had. And Satan's waiting for his eternal judgment. And that's pretty much everything in a nutshell. And uh, he will suffer judgment and imprisonment when God places him in the lake of fire and brimstone. And he will stay there forever. There will be no devil in the new world, in the new earth, the new heavens. Satan will be complete, finished, over with. Now, according to the book of Job, Satan still has access to heaven and communicating with God. Now, he has to be able to communicate with God and know of Jesus Christ because he's, all, he's called in the New Testament as the accuser of the saints. He goes there and accuses us of all the little details we do, like a little kid uh, uh, he's like a little kid at school, you know, that always told about every time that you did something wrong. I never did particularly like those guys because when I would do something wrong, there somebody was always telling on me. And uh, but in this case, Satan goes up there to to uh, accuse us of things, and and Jesus is interceding for us, and he tells Lucifer, "Get on out of here because." Uh, this person or this uh, individual belongs to me. That I forgave their sins. They believe in me. They are my brother or sister, and I, I've accepted them through God's grace. And Satan, you just need to go on down the road. You don't have no no uh, uh, nothing to hold on to here. So here's what we see uh, in in that. We see the New, uh, New Testament refers to Satan as the accuser. We just said that. In other words, every time we do something wrong, okay, then we were just talking about that, God, uh, he comes before God about our evilness. And now we do really, we do not uh, think that God needs to have Satan to tell him. God don't need Satan to tell him what, what we've done. God knows what we've done. Because the Bible says that God knows our sins, even sins that we don't know of our sins. And the Bible says that as Christians, we are to confess our sins daily, that they're revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? How does the Holy Spirit, anybody know how the Holy Spirit uh, convicts us and tells us about our sins? Does he speak to us and tell us? No, he speaks to our heart. He, he gives us the guilt and the grief in our heart that we've done something wrong. I'll guarantee you that if you're a Christian and you love the Lord and you're trying to live a Christian life, when you do something wrong, it's like stubbing your toe. You're going to know that you're hurt inside. You're going to know by the Holy Spirit, grieving your spirit, that you've done something wrong. You are to confess that sin before God every day, asking forgiveness. And God says that he is faithful and forgiven us of those sins that we confess. Amen. Now, Satan thinks it's a big deal to attempt to disgrace us before God. He makes his accusations in such a way that he, he wants to, you know, like rub it in the face of God and say, hey, look here, God, this man here didn't do such and such and so and so. And you thought he was so good, just like he did with Job when, when Job was there and Satan tempted Job. If you never read that book, you need, you need to read the book of Job. That'll strengthen your, your, uh, your Christian life and your faith right there just by reading about poor old Job. 
Job went through uh, unbelievable heartaches and, and trauma, and he never would say anything bad against God. He said, well, whatever, you know, I came naked, I came in the world, and naked I'll go out. God giveth and God taketh away. And that's why we need to look at life, folks. We need to look at life and think there's nothing in this world so important that we cannot have time to look at God and give him thanks for everything that he does for us. God loves us and he gives and does for us in places and ways that we never know. There, you know, God does things for us and protects us in such ways that we don't even know it till, till maybe weeks or maybe even a year down the road. And God done something in that to protect us because he knew what was going to happen to us before we got there and God's already took action to, to bless us for that and it's just wonderful to know that God's on our side now do you think Satan is allowed to do what he wants to do do you really think that Satan can just go up there and say I'm going to do so and so to this person or that person and, and if it kills them and so forth you know that's just tough now I really don't know I, I feel though that we are protected by God, what I just said. Yet we do have trials and tribulations in our life. The Bible tells us that we will have troubles. And God, I feel, keeps a leash, okay? That's a, that's a rope that you put on an animal to keep them in your control. A leash on Satan. And it controls, in, in a lot of ways, what Satan can and cannot do to us, okay, or to people. Satan's allowed to administer a certain amount of uh, grief, if you will, or tribulation on people. And the nature of sin is destructive, to say the least, it's destructive. God judged sin in the very beginning as a dark evilness that has no place in his perfect existence. God's already said that. But God has a plan. The Bible says that we don't know God's plans, that His, that the thoughts of God are higher than our thoughts thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways and we, and we just don't know we don't understand we don't understand why God would uh, take the life or, or not take the life but allow a young person if you will to uh, to to pass on but I don't I don't know all the things of God and I don't even try to I just know that God is in control of everything and and uh, he knows a lot more about what he's doing than I do all right, God told Adam that because of the disobedience of him and Eve, uh, we're not only introduced to sin and evilness, but also to death. Okay? Satan said, told him, remember he told Eve, he said, you'll be, you'll be like God. And, and when Adam and Eve did disobedient, they were like God. They knew what sin was. And now they're going to know what death is because that's the only way they can get out of their predicament uh, is because uh, they have to be die for their spirits and souls to be released back uh, to come back to God because their physical body is sin and contaminated and God can't have anything to do with it. So at this point I feel we can say sin is a direct opposite of godliness because God can't have anything to do with sin. The purpose of Satan can never be confused with making a mistake. No. His sole purpose was to replace God and sit above God. That's what Satan wanted to do. This was the introduction of the first coup, if you will, but it failed. Satan failed. He found out that he was not all-powerful. He found out that he could not do he could not do anything unless God allowed it to be done. It is important to understand 
that is not a question about Satan's power. It was that God created him and he never had no power except that which God allowed him to have to begin with. Satan thought he was somebody. And we have people today in the world that think they're somebody in, in, in politics and big business and they got a lot of money and they think they're powerful and they're above the law. And look what happens to a lot of them. And Imran's a good, a good one there. The guy uh, ripped off uh, 30-something billion or $80 billion from people in his investment company. And he's doing life imprisonment. And his name is slandered and all the things about his life. And he thought he was above the law, that he could do what he wanted. And Satan's the same way. But listen, you and I can't fight Satan. We can't fight sin. We have to depend on God and through Jesus Christ to defeat sin and to, to rebuke the devil. Now, sin came from the evilness of Satan, of which God has divine power over both. Satan brought physical and spiritual death to the world of man. And it was premeditated, to say the least. Man was created to live forever. God never intended for us to die, either physically or spiritually. Genesis says that God enjoyed Adam and Eve. God enjoyed them. He fellowshiped with them. It says that he walked with them in the garden in the cool of the evening. He and Adam walking in the garden, talking uh, but when sin came in the picture, God was not able to do that anymore. God couldn't go and talk to Adam. He had to stay away from Adam because Adam was as a filthy rag. Okay? And in the Bible, a filthy rag is referred to as those rags that were on lepers. Okay? Leprosy was a an unclean. They had to go out and say, unclean, unclean. And, and uh, they were cast outside the camp of Israel. They never were allowed to come in unless they were healed. And it wasn't that uh, God had no idea what, he, what it was. It, it was uh, against his perfect nature. Okay, we, here we come back to, to that perfect nature. Uh, the nature of God, of his holiness, his purity. He cannot be contaminated with sin. This is a separation of man and God. This is what sin this is what this whole thing of God and being a Christian and Jesus coming on the cross, it's the separation of man and God. God loved man, okay? For God so loved the world. Everything in his creation was created perfectly, and we know that from Genesis because he says, and God saw that it was all good, and he blessed it, okay? God saw that his creation was good, and he blessed it. We came along in our stupidity, if you will, through Adam and Eve, and we said, oh, yeah, the, you know, we want to be like God and be more powerful than he is. Well, if he created you, how are you going to be more powerful than he is? You, can't, you couldn't create anything. God had gave you life. You didn't give God life. So man would live forever, but after sin, death was definitely certain. Now, Adam and Eve, when death came, were placed in the heart of the earth in a place called paradise. Now, this paradise is right next door to hell itself, okay? Because we know that from Luke chapter 16, the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man looked out as he was in hell, and he looked over and he seen Abraham and seen Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham, which Abraham was another word for paradise, and uh, Lazarus was in paradise, Okay? Now, 
this was because of the sin that was in their life that they committed. These men, the, the, the rich man and, and so forth, and even the people today that go to Hades, Adam and Eve went to paradise, okay? Uh, they, they go to this place because they're sinful. They're still, even though God gives them a place in paradise uh, to, to be in his peace, and he says, you know, you're, I'm not going to destroy you i'm going to put you in my peace because i still love you and and you worshiped me and you sac made sacrifices to me and in our case uh you know when jesus there you know you believed in jesus so you go to paradise and you're in god's peace he's not going to be wrathful against you he's not going to try to destroy you you're in his peace you're in his love now this was the way it was for thousands of years they were alienated from the face of God because of sin and yes sin in a very is very destructive man even though he was dead and in paradise spiritually he was so contaminated with the poison of sin okay he could never go into heaven to be with God because he needed to be redeemed and justified to be before God. This became the problem for thousands of years, as I said before. God allowed man to exist spiritually because they worshiped him, okay? That's what we're just talking about. They worshiped him in their heart, and they believed in God, and God loved them, and God wanted to help them. And uh, the spiritual uh, idea of the spirituality with the human body uh, was broken because of Adam and Eve, because of the sin from Satan and so forth, and now the spirit and the the spirit and the soul has to be separated from this sin contaminated body that's going to go back into the dust, and God is going to give us a new body. It's going to be a new body that's built for eternity. That's going to be built like Jesus' body, His resurrected body. Amen. As said earlier, God's nature would not allow any part of sin. Sin equal death, and God is life and not death, and God cannot have sin in his presence. When it comes to God's creation, one might say, how do we know that everything was perfect in the beginning? How do we know that it was perfect? It is that God created each day for six days and on the sixth day he created man and each day God said and he saw that it was good blessing his creation God made a perfect world now we just said this just a few seconds ago blessing his creation God made a perfect world that should there should be no question about that that he created and blessed his world it was perfect because God said it was good. When sin entered in through man from Lucifer, the world became the degenerate and rot that it is today, and it rots away. It died. The earth is dying. The world is dying. We are dying. The creation is dying. Uh, everything that is holy becomes unholy because of this sin. The only answer for sin is death. It has to be removed and destroyed. It is like poison in a watering hole. No one can use the water or enjoy it. And everything living that uses the water suffers death. Sin is so much like this. Each one of us 
as human beings are born into sin, whether if we like it or not, or whether we believe it or not, it does not matter. This is a law of God of which I spoke of earlier, and we have no choice. We we have no choice of whether we accept it or like it because we can't do anything to change it. Okay? So as sinners, we're condemned by this sin until death, both physical and spiritual. So what should we do to correct this? I hate to say this, but there's absolutely nothing you or I can do about this sin or this penalty that must be paid. We are condemned to the fires of hell. So what about this place called hell? You think it's real? Is it real? Now, based on the Bible and the truth we can see, as I said earlier about Luke chapter 16, we find the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. And it says there, there's a certain rich man who's clothed in purple and fine linen, and, and he flare, uh, fared sumptuously or, or greatly every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. He's full of sores, and he laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels. Okay, now notice this. When the beggar died, he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. When the rich man died, he was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham. Okay, so number one, here, let's look at this. Number one, he was in torment, so he had, he had feelings. He lifted up his eyes so he could see, and he saw Abraham, so he was aware of who people were and where he was. And Lazarus is in his bosom. Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip his tip of the finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is confronted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and theirs is a great golf fix so that neither one of us can cross to go here or go there. And then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, where I have five brothers, that he had testified to them, and so forth and so on. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they hear, be persuaded, though one raised, uh, rose from the dead. Now, there's a lot of information in this that we're not going to be able to go into, but some of the things that I want to point out here is that this is true today. These stories, and, and one of the reasons that this was a parable, if you will, that Jesus told. But Jesus, when he told parables in the scriptures, he never mentioned people's names. He never told about like he did this one. He put names on, on the people in this. And he was telling this because he knew that he said that uh, money and, and riches was the root to all evil. Not that it was, but it was uh, harder for that rich man to be saved than a uh, camel to go through the eye of an evil and so forth. But here we see... Uh, that the rich people live sumptuously enjoying their wealth while the poor people suffer and are taxed to, to pay the way of the rich and he says that uh, 
they had Moses and the prophets, so they tell them. So in the book of Revelations, we see that even though God came and they seen all the miracles that God performed on the earth, they shook their fists, if you will, in God's face because they were angry at God and blamed him for all their suffering. And that's exactly right. God brought the tribulation and poured his wrath out on the people in Revelations during the tribulation period. And they were suffered, but they still would not repent. So what he's saying here is that they did not hear Moses, so they will not listen to someone raised from the dead. So my point in this story can be found in verse 24 also. The rich man was in the flame. He desired not some water, but just the tip of the finger in the water and place on my tongue. Now, when you're out doing things and you're hot and burning, what good would a drop of water be? To you as far as your thirst so it's symbolic in the fact that he's so hot that he just the burning the flame is so painful that the gnashing of teeth I will just take a drop of water that I might sense the coolness of that one drop of water to know what it felt like he knew the torment he suffered this rich man had his senses and was suffering in the flame so some might be asking, how much credibility can be put in this story? Well, I will ask you, how much credibility can be put in it not being credible? Okay, we think we are wise in our sinful nature, but God laughs at our foolishness because we think we're so smart and wise. We only have one shot at this death issue. Once it occurs, there's no chance, no second chance to rethink our position. There's too much credibility in the scripture and proof of being true and being the absolute truth of God. So is there any hope for us to be saved and not have to be put in this awful place? He will, or excuse me, we will have to continue reading to see the answers. But a preview, as we can see, a preview as we can be saved by God, and it's his free gift to us. After we accept this free gift, God calls us his children. So how cool is that? 